You're listening to the Write Project Podcast and Radio Program. This is a show about writing and modern Newfoundland author culture. This show is produced and recorded at CHMR 93.5 FM in Newfoundland and can be heard on that station and online at chmr.ca. I am your host, Matthew LeDrew, founder of Engine Books and author of the Xander Drew series, a supernatural detective thriller from Engine Books. If you'd like to subscribe to get bonus content, including an extra episode every month, you can do that in the description below. Thank you for joining us. Let's see what we have today. Thank you for joining us for another special, wonderful, amazing episode of the Right Project podcast. Today, we are on with Lucy McLaren, all the way from Essex. Uh, she has a new book out called Awakening, The Commune's Curse, book one. Thank you for joining us, Lucy. Thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. Uh, I love what I've seen of this book so far, but it's useless for the audience to hear me say, oh, I like the book because they don't know what it's about. So in your own <laughs> words, tell me a little bit about this book, this new book of yours, Awakening. Sure. So um, it's a, a YA dark fantasy um, and it's multi POV. So we see the story from four characters' perspectives. Um, and it's set in a kingdom that is basically ruled by this authoritarian kind of government. Um, and they're hunting down children who have been born with these powers. So these powers kind of go all the way up to people who are the strongest, can control other people with their mind, essentially. Um, so it's, yeah, the three of the characters are kind of trying to escape from um, this this government is called the commune um so they're being hunted by the other character who's a soldier so you kind of see both sides of the story um i i, I wanted to do that kind of like it's like not as black and white and like good versus evil as as perhaps you might think it is to start with so i thought it'd be interesting to see kind of both sides being the characters heads on both sides of the kind of the coin so to speak um but yeah, I mean, it's, it's very much character focused. Like I, I kind of try and explore a bit of like mental health issues in my characters, including like trauma and grief, anxiety, stuff like that. Um, because I, I'm also a, a counsellor in my kind of day job. Um, so mental health is something that I'm passionate about. And I personally find myself drawn to books that are more character focused. So you're like you're following very closely in the character's head, you're you're experiencing their feelings as much as you can and understanding why they are behaving, how they're behaving and stuff like that. So yeah, that's, it's not, it's perhaps not the most like action heavy of stories, but you follow these four characters quite closely. And hopefully if you enjoy it, you get, you connect with them like I have. And you know, there's two more books coming out and you'll follow them to the end of the journey. Hopefully if you enjoy it, that it's almost like a bit of a removal from our world gives it a bit of, I don't know, a safety blanket or something. So it's like it's not, you know, so close to home that it's maybe too uncomfortable to read. Um, but you're still exploring issues that perhaps readers have been through themselves or um, have seen other people go through. And, yeah, yeah, I think it's really helpful, actually, for readers to to be able to see stuff like that in characters they connect with. Like I personally know from... For me, if I read a character who has been through something similar to myself or most like markedly different, 
I connect with them way more. If it's written well and you understand what's going on for them and what's happened in their past maybe and how that's led to where they are in the story, then I think that's great. You know, I, I like writers like uh, Jabba Crombie, for example, who does write amazing action sequences, but I find I, I like the chapters where it's just characters talking. I uh, find that more enjoyable. Yeah. No, absolutely. Good Good conflict should come from character, not from mm. the blade. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm still learning. Like, this is, you know, it's my first book. I published it with a small press. We're based in America. Um, they've been really supportive and helpful. And, and I, I, you know, I'm really glad I've got them kind of behind me. Um, otherwise, I would feel a bit like I was uh, flailing around. Um, but it's... It's getting traction, I think, is is the thing, and you just got to try and find what I'm learning is try and find that like that one thing that makes your book like whether it's niche or whatever. Um, so you know, I'm it's difficult. Basically, is the is the short answer to that. It's it's just you got. I'm finding I'm just going to keep keep trying to find my audience, keep connecting with people. I think is the main thing. You know, just yeah. connecting with readers and talking to people, and you know, I've met some great people like Twitter and Instagram, for example. Um, I've just got to keep doing that, haven't you? It's, it's it's a very crowded market. Yeah, yeah. That's all. That's all you can do, really. Mm. It's it's ludicrously crowded. Like mm. like, and that's it's it's. Hmm. There's like this tipping point I find where it's like 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 I think there's not a lot like because a lot of people read fantasy. You know what I mean? But it's mm. but like I feel like. It's it's tipped to the point where there is just a smidge more being produced than there are readers. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. like, oh my god! Like, how do people <laughs> find you? It's insanity. Oh my, wonderful. So you said uh, you said that there's two more books in the series. That is lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, are they written already? Is there a release date? Is that in progress? Either answer is fine, of course. and so book two is written i actually wrote that writ wrote yeah i haven't had to copy yet you you invented language you can tell me how it's done (laughs) i wrote that um like very soon after i finished book one because i was like um the the momentum was still going so i was like just keep writing it's fine so i wrote that a few years ago um which is very fortunate for me because i'm now trying to work around having like a, a a young child and I'm finding writing time is like at a real premium. Like I did not realize how good I had it before I had a baby. Let's say someone, Lucy McLaren, let's say someone comes up to you tomorrow and says, your book, Awakening, is their favorite book of all time. They are now a Lucy McLaren fan. Mm-hmm. And they say, they ask you for a recommendation. So what book would you recommend to someone for whom your book is their favorite? What's their next book that you would get them to read? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is this is probably like massively um, flattering myself and my abilities as an author. Um, but because, and I've, you know, I already, I'm guilty of saying I promote big authors too much, but Robin Hobb is an author, like my idol as an author and someone who's writing I aspire to. And I think she does a lot of character focused stuff. I mean, her books are way bigger than mine. Like mine is only 360 pages compared to her like 700 plus. Um, But if you like character focused stuff, um, then yeah, her books, 
I'm trying to think of books that like don't really focus on the romance element. And the trouble I have in the YA category is that a lot of fantasy books in YA have a romance element. Um, but I mean, I would also say, you know, already mentioned His Dark Materials by Philip Pullman because although that was written like in the 90s and it's, you know, it's not a contemporary perhaps book, I was because I've read that so many times that inevitably it has been influence on my story and my writing. Um, like the fact that my book has animal companions in it is uh, heavily inspired by the demons in um, His Dark Materials, you know, the animal... Um, like version of the human soul kind of thing um yeah so probably robin hobb is the main one if you want something similarly character focused i mean i also said stuff like shadow and bone by um lee bardugo because of the element of you know you've got these these powers that perhaps they can be good or bad depending on where you're standing and i think there's there's an interesting exploration of um what it what it means to be considered like someone who is you know like the bad guy um so yeah i would say probably that that kind of area as well is pretty good as a comparison yeah i like it it. this is interesting from a a mental health perspective especially given what you do i've been in this debate before and i see both sides of it like there there's um i'm a big fan of like you're saying like see it from both sides kind of thing like oh like like be like look at it from what how did the villain get this way like is it so mm. like black and white I'm a, I'm a big fan of that uh an author i work with a lot uh named brad dunn gets very agitated with that it is like not everyone needs to be redeemed in fiction some like like some people are the bad guy you know what i mean and i'm like interesting <laughs> all right all right and it's fair like that like it's like we don't need to see like a like no no one needs to see a like glow up YA romance of Charles Manson or something. You know what I mean? Like some people are <laughs> the bad guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I would agree with that because actually I think it does get problematic insofar as um, you can have the bad guy who is redeemed and then becomes like the love interest, and then that's that's shown as like this relationship is okay because he was redeemed, even though he did all these terrible things before. Um, I think it can be a um, dangerous kind of uh, element to have in a story. Um, and yeah, I agree. Not, not every bad guy should be redeemed. And uh, I was going to say not everyone is deserving of redemption, but yeah, maybe that's to an extent, but I think it's just about knowing that really if someone is, uh, the antagonist I like to look at okay so why why are they like that um I'll use like counseling theory to explore maybe what was their childhood like um I find that really interesting to think about okay what was their relationship like with their parents for example like attachment theory and does that explain why they are how they are why they think feel and behave as they do now um and I kind of use that in in my writing um to say, yeah, they're they're not a nice person. They're a terrible person in some cases, but this is why. So it makes them, if not likable, then at least understandable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's that makes a lot of sense. Um, my head just then went back to um, 
Star Wars. Um, uh, ridiculously, um, I Star Wars is interesting because they they do the whole like villain redemption thing with the like mm-hmm. oh, oh at the end Vader's redeemed kind of thing, but mm-hmm. like it's weird to say, but like those movies are unwatchable in the in like in the order. You know what I mean? Because it's like when you watch like oh four five six, it's like all right, yeah, so Vader's redeemed at the end. Sounds good. You destroy a planet. But that's really esoteric. It's really hard to... And it wasn't even him. It was the general dude. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, all right, you're fine. He's redeemed, whatever. He was just, like, on the wrong side. He didn't do anything that bad. Then you go back and watch episode three. It's like, no, he killed children. A lot of them. And you're like, no, no, he can be redeemed. I'm like, what the hell's wrong with you? No, he can't. Come on. Where's where's this retcon, Disney? Because I'm sitting here like, what are you... Doing. I, I, I actually saying it out loud, I wonder how damaging it it can be seen. Like Rage by Stephen King was a movie, was a book about a school shooting that kept showing up. I don't know if you heard this, but like when there were real school shootings, when they searched the lockers, rage would be in the locker. It kept happening. Oh, really? Oh yeah. To the point where Stephen King called his publisher and was like, get this awful book out of print. You're not getting mm-hmm. another book from me until this book is out of print. And they just, mm-hmm. he's like, Stephen was like, I, I don't believe that you can read a book and have it be there, but like, there's something going on mm-hmm. and I don't like it and I don't want to be associated with it. So just take this effing book out of print. Mm-hmm. Very good. Good for Stephen. He's got enough books out mm-hmm. that he can sacrifice the sales of rage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, I have to wonder, like, like the, it, it's weird. It's like this this message that like you can be redeemed after mm. being an adult going into a like a school setting and killing all the kids is what mm. the hell is that? You know what I mean? Like that's not a message that I want out there. Also, quick note, Right Project fans, while I have you, my latest book, As Loved Our Fathers, is on store shelves now. If you're listening to this online, you can see a link to it down in the description. I would really appreciate it if you can check it out. It's a hunt for the Holy Grail set in Newfoundland and really examines Newfoundland history. It's my most personal novel to date and brings in a lot of my thoughts on Newfoundland and Newfoundland culture that we've touched on on this show, but I've never really gotten into in my writing. So I'm really interested to see what people think of it. Please give it a check out if you have the ability. I, I think it's interesting, toxic uh, traits and people, I, I don't know, I don't I don't agree, yeah, I don't agree with, like, you can read a book and suddenly be like, I'm going to go and shoot loads of people because this book made me, like, I think you have to have something in your brain already, yeah. something's happened to you, something, you've had some experiences or whatever, and then, like, that kind of flicks a switch almost. Um, yeah. But, I don't know, when you were talking there, I was thinking of, like, some of the fan base for stuff like, um rick and morty for example people are determined to say rick is a good guy um like no he's not he's 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 a terrible listen i love that i love that show but i understand that i'm watching a mental patient with a time machine you know what i mean yeah Yeah. he's got a lot of issues um 
that doesn't mean he has to be uh, redeemed in some way. It means you just, you know, it makes how he behaves and and thinks and feels understandable. And you can say, okay, yeah, I know why he's like that, but it doesn't make him any less of a, a, a an asshole, essentially. Yeah, yeah. I um, I love shows where the protagonist is a bad person or a villain, mm, but I do mm. think that that society struggles with that like when those shows become very popular there's always going to be an element of the population that doesn't that, uh, that almost doesn't understand that i'm not trying to be like oh high and mighty and be like oh i understand it but like the the, the position of protagonist is a very powerful mm-hmm. one you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah yeah like like bojack horseman is another one um yep. Where you know he's not he's not a good guy, but yeah, I think people maybe it's it's an automatic thing. People feel the need to see some good in in people. Like you have to say, like if they can be redeemed, then like oh anyone can. Like I'm thinking of like cognitive dissonance theory, where if, if something happens and you get some information that's like doesn't go with your worldview, people will be very dismissive, or they'll try and twist it to fit in with the idea that actually. People try and see the world as being an essentially good place. No, they can't be people like that. But yeah, there are there are people that are murderers and and do horrific things. And like, why does like going back to your original point? Why does Darth Vader need to be redeemed? Why can't you just say, yeah, he was he was a terrible person. Yeah, he killed a bunch of kids, as we've just seen in Obi Wan Kenobi. Like revisited a yeah. whole plot point. Yeah. Um, he could just, yeah, you'd say, yeah, he was not a good guy and that's it. But, yeah, I don't know. Some, I think people sometimes feel the need to just say, oh, no, but he he was still he was good in some ways. Like, you know, oh, he loved uh, Padme. Like, I don't know. It's, I, it's I think it's of... a sure sign that those book, those movies were not written in the order that he mm-hmm. said they were. You know what I mean? It's like, you would never. No, I refuse to believe that a sane person would be like, okay, and in part three, he kills a bunch of kids, and in part six, he's all forgiven for that. I'm like, what did you just say? Like, like... <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think just sometimes let bad guys be bad guys. Yeah, there are characters who can be redeemed and who are like maybe morally gray, but yeah, there's also we there are bad people in the world, and reflecting that in in stories is is okay. Okay, we're going to go from that super, super serious question to the absolute opposite of that, because this series is known for tonal whiplash. Um, uh, Lucy McLaren, if your work as an author, if Awakening and any other work you've done were mashed up beneath someone's feet and turned into a jam that was then bottled and put on the shelves, what flavor of jam would that be? <laughs> oh wow! I can only think of like three flavors of jam. <laughs> I'm gonna say, oh, can we have like a blend of flavors? Absolutely. Why not? You know, chuck some fruits in there. Uh, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm just gonna put like cherry because they are red. Red is a key <laughs> color because it's like the color of the. I'm going deep here. Can you tell? Yeah. Um, and also, you know, they're like dark. They're a darker fruit, maybe darker elements in the story. And then, um, ooh, what fruits are there? 
I'm going to just chuck in a strawberry. That feels like a a fruit that would be on the good side. (laughs) Famously also red. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Strawberry and cherry. I've not, that kind of blend feels like it probably wouldn't work anyway. That'd be a really weird flavor profile. Yeah. Um, But just, you know, the thing I'm going for here is there are different elements to this story. There's different um flavors if you will yep. uh d- different characters you're getting in the head of um but you know ultimately i find interesting i was, I was thinking about this earlier that you know, you've got you've seen four different characters who are on maybe different sides and they have seemingly different experiences thoughts feelings but ultimately they they all do have the similarities in how they're thinking and feeling as well and i find that quite interesting so maybe that's you know ultimately strawberry and cherry aren't that different it, what's, I don't know what the message I'm going for is here alright <laughs> they're we both really, red we penced our way through that answer that was not plotted yeah yeah that's how wonderful. I'm right <laughs> yeah wonderful wonderful perfect um, <laughs> um, Lucy McLaren what period of your life do you feel like you draw from the most often for your books for awakening are you drawn from your childhood years young adult adults teenage what's going on mm-hmm. um childhood to an extent in that we see some experiences from childhood um actually for the antagonist one of the prologues is his what's happened to him in childhood um so an extent of elements of being lonely feeling detached from uh parental figures for example um but then also i would say like a lot of teenage angst going on like two of the characters are teenagers um got evelyn who's 18 and rafe who is 14 obviously i wasn't a teenage boy so you know to an extent i can't really fully appreciate what that's like but definitely with evelyn being a, a teenage girl i mean she's experienced some past trauma so she's trying to process that but there's a lot of difficulty expressing how she feels a lot of trying to repress how she's feeling anxiety um a lot of um kind of negative voice in her head that you get to get to read a lot you see how how much she how harsh she is with herself um yeah so I'll probably say like teenage me could resonate a lot with that um absolutely yeah I you know I think it's difficult as a writer to avoid putting part of yourself in your characters. And yeah, I'd say she's probably the one I drew from my own experiences the most. Makes sense. Makes sense. Hmm. Um, okay. Lucy McLaren, this is a question that I adore that's near and dear to my heart and it's not to everyone's, but I have to ask everyone that comes on, no matter what mm-hmm. the author, their background, whatever, because I am a giant nerd. Uh, <laughs> Lucy McLaren, what is your favorite comic book character? Um, so this may be contentious. It certainly is with my husband, who is a comic book fan. Um, but Iron Man. Um, yeah. Now, so I'm coming at this from someone who, before the Marvel films, like knew very little like that. I haven't read many comics. You know, my husband would encourage me to read something. Like I've read some Batman ones that he's kind of told me to read um but yeah I don't, I don't know something about Iron Man I don't know why because he's you know especially 
early on thinking of the film said this may be different in the in the comics I'm showing my lack of knowledge but he's you know he's, he's a bit of a, a bit of an ass really he's a you know womanizer rich playboy but yeah I don't know I like his arc especially again in the films I like where he, how he goes he becomes like a mentor and ultimately sacrifices himself yeah yeah Absolutely, I like I, I I enjoy his character too. Mm. Just the idea, I, I think he was the one with um, before the movies. People undercut him a lot, but in the like, Stanley was really good at the this, but also this in the mm. like in the character problems. Like, okay, you got Spider Man who's like really powerful, but he's got this crippling sense of responsibility and guilt. And it's mm. like. This bought this kind of thing. And Iron Man's the weirdest. It's like war profiteer, but sees the light kind of thing. And mm. struggles with yeah. that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I find um, it interesting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh Lucy McLaren, what is the first book you can remember as far back as you can remember that made you cry? Um Wow. Um, probably. So there's a series called The Sword of Shadows um, by J.V. Jones. Uh, so this is an adult fantasy series that I discovered when I was like 12 and probably shouldn't have been reading at that at age. Um, but, yeah, definitely there's some stuff that happens in there that is pretty heavy. Um, and, yeah, I can remember being very emotional. I still have a big connection to that series now, even though it remains unfinished. And I'm like... Please, it's been like over ten years since the last book. Um, yeah, that one. Day, that kind of. I, I think there's a reason why I've, I've remained uh, passionate about it, despite it never having been completed and um, having read it. You know, first of all, like twenty years ago. Um, yeah, I would say that. Yeah, sort of shadow series, Jerry Jones. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Perfect. Um. Uh, what was your favorite childhood book? Um, I've I've got I've got a few a few of the like first fantasy books that I read, and I would have been like eight, nine, maybe a bit younger. There's one called uh, The Healer's Keep, um, and there's one um, Megan Whalen Turner is the author. Uh, the the oh my god, what is it called? She's recently re- like released some in the same series. One of them is called The Queen of Atalia, and there's another one, The Thief. Oh my god, something. <laughs> but yeah, so I read them when I was like young, uh, but they were kind of first foray into uh, fantasy books. And you know, what? I'd actually forgotten about this till recently when I found them like way down hidden in my bookshelf, like all dusty. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so, like, forgotten about these books. Um, yeah, so it kind of explains a lot as to where my reading interests went. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. A lot. Okay. Okay. This requires a bit of a leap into the fantasy realm. Let's say that you were in a fantastical setting, like a, you know, a, a high fantasy, dark fantasy setting. Mm-hmm. And you stumble across a magic user's cauldron, which wizard, whatever. 
It's in the middle of a spell, and they're out. They've gone out for just one ingredient. You just know it, like in a dream. You just, yeah, yeah oh, they're out. They've went out for the last ingredient. Something comes over you, and you throw the awakening into it. Giant mm-hmm. little smoke, and an animal comes out. Basically, an animal made out of your written work. What Ooh. animal is popping out? What animal is okay. best represented by your written work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, this this may be cheating somewhat because there are two animal companions in this book. Oh, okay. Um, so one's one's a dog and one's a cat. I'm gonna say the dog, which is a black spaniel, and he is called Dog. Which I discovered after writing this that is the most unoriginal name for a dog because apparently that's in loads of other stuff. Uh, <laughs> a dog called Dog. I was like, oh, I've written it now. It's too late. Uh, but yes, yeah, so a black spaniel. He was based on my dog Evie, who. Um, like was alongside me for writing a lot of this book. Uh, she unfortunately um, passed away in 2020. But yeah, so a black spaniel. And I'm thinking here, like they're loyal. Um, they are intelligent to an extent. She wasn't the smartest of dogs. Um, and yeah, I see that a lot in the characters, like all four of them actually, like the, the level of loyalty perhaps they, they have, the level of uh, connection some of them have with each other. I feel that with the dog. Um, yeah, that may be slightly cheating just because of the animals in the book. But, yeah, it's just, just thinking of kind of the traits of, of a dog um, and the, the traits of some of the characters in the book. Certainly, I would see overlap there. Love it. Perfect. Perfect, perfect. Well, everyone, uh, please, please check out Awakening. It's a wonderful book from Lucy McLaren. And it's, I cannot wait to read more. It's its good, well-written, character-driven, dark fantasy, the way that everyone wants to be reading. So thank you for coming on the show, Lucy. Thank you so much for having me, Matthew. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Right Project Podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're interested in any of the books that we've featured here today, there are links in the description for you to purchase those books on Amazon. And when you use those links, Amazon kicks a tiny portion of it back to the channel, which is lovely. It helps everybody. It helps the author with the sale, helps the channel, and it helps you find new wonderful books. Either way, thank you so much for listening. It's really appreciated. We'll be here every Monday at 4 p.m. on CHMR and chmr.ca, as well as every Wednesday in 2023 at 2 p.m. with a special episode highlighting Breakwater Books and their 50 years of success in Newfoundland publishing. Be sure to check both out. Please tune in and we'll talk more about writing culture and writing culture in Newfoundland.